Jamaica. Grab the wheel. I'm not going in the ditch tonight. Oh, yeah. I don't know, Captain. Welcome, everybody. Welcome on a Thursday evening there. Uh, better for play on the phone, ladies and gentlemen. If you're already going to talk that way. But uh, anyway, <laughs> hello, everybody. Welcome, Jesse. Nice to have you there. And let's see here. Did we miss anybody? <laughs> Everybody sliding in. Roger Blair. Nice to have you there. Yeah, tow truck on standby. That's what I'm saying. And I came with Bigfoot. And uh, yes, that's what I'm saying. Hello there in Liana. I'm glad you're back, Liana. I'm glad it didn't run you away the other night. And Nader Decker, what's going on? Hey, guys. Enjoy the journey. Welcome. All right. So, Mr. Decker, what we got cooking tonight? All right. Well, first, it sounds like there's a story I'm not aware of. People talking about tow trucks and, and steering wheels here, Grizz. Oh, man. All right. So, <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you while we got our guests backstage. So, okay. So, what happened was, is that uh, we, uh, we played this game when I was on the police force. Mm -hmm. We had this vagrant that we kept arresting for panhandling okay and my lieutenant called me up when i was on county and he's like go get him and i want you to take him down to such and such police station and drop them off on his on their front porch i'm like really lieutenant you're gonna make me he's like <laughs> do it so i go down there where he's standing at 10 30 11 o'clock at night and i pull up and he was like what are you gonna do and i'm like turn around and uh i pat him down put handcuffs on him he goes you take me to jail and i'm like oh no we're not going to jail tonight brother like, <laughs> we're, we're, we're taking you somewhere so i get him in the car i hit the interstate I ain't gonna tell you how fast I was going. <laughs> His eyes is like getting big because we're we're leaving the county, and uh, <laughs> and he's like, Kentucky, what? He goes, you're getting off. He goes, oh my god, you're gonna kill me. Oh god, <laughs> oh don't, please don't kill me. Oh, I, won't, I won't do it again, please. And he's begging for his life, and I am laughing so hard. I put my cruiser in the ditch and I'm <laughs> crying hysterically because this guy has played with me. Officer, I won't do it no more. I promise I'll be counting on you. And I'm I'm laughing, you know. So I pull up to the police station and you know, I, I didn't realize it was shift change. So all my <laughs> buddies are standing outside in the parking lot. You know, and I pull up in my cruiser and I get him out, throw his bags out, unhandcuff them, and I take off my lights and siren on. And I see the guy crawling, help me, help me, he's gonna kill me. <laughs> and I just drive off. So, then we go in the ditch. Nice. Go off topic and they kind of get a little ornery. Yes. <laughs> that is the short version. But that, that works. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank God it wasn't a fire hydrant because I would have told the car out. I mean, he had me, he really thought he was going to die that night. Oh, man. So, You're horrible. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, we, we used to play jokes on each other on other departments. Sure. 
Because sure. I work, our JD was the whole state. I can write uh-huh. you a ticket in any county. I can arrest you in any county or any city. It's not like right. it is in Kentucky. You know, right. if, if you were in Jefferson County, that's it. Or city of Louisville, that's it. No, not where I came from. So anyway. <laughs> anyway. So that's, why, that's why they say <laughs> we have a tow truck or AAA on standby. So what we got nice. tonight? All right. Well, tonight we got a very good friend of mine. Uh, this gentleman is responsible for getting me going and kind of how I was going. Uh, his radio show is one of the first shows I was ever on as a Bigfoot guy. Uh, and his event was the very first build event I ever spoke at. Uh, really proud to call this guy a friend. Uh, we've worked a lot together. We do a lot of things. We consult with each other. We're going to bring on Mr. Daniel Benoit tonight and talk with Daniel. Daniel, come on down. Welcome. There he doing? is. Thank you. Hey, stranger. Justin talking those kind words is going to make me cry over here. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know about that. So, uh, <laughs> I was showing uh, you all those video or pictures uh, mm-hmm. backstage uh, of the trail cam pictures. And uh, I didn't get to finish to hear what your all's analysis were. I mean, Mr. Daniel, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on those? Well, in the first one, you know, the only thought that was really coming to my mind, because I know I've had a lot of birds and stuff on my right up close on my cameras in the past right i i almost want to say i feel like it could have been a possible like a dove you know because you know their, their feathers are so short and fine looking um it and the, it looked like it was part of the chest and the neck of a dove and then the side side uh profile up um on that one the, the daytime photo i mean where i had a 16 terabyte hard drive that got corrupted because I had other pictures of animals I wanted to show. Okay. The, the, to show how good these cameras are and how good it took clear photographs, right? Right. And of uh, birds and squirrels and, and wildlife. And I was, it, so I can actually debunk things mm-hmm. and, and show the audience is like, this is what I captured. And this is how I compared, you know, what I could prove and not, you know, and disprove. And when I first saw that, because I mean, I went through um, most cameras uh, took in between uh, 270 to four to 500 pictures or more uh, because trail cameras don't take that much room taking up pictures. And a lot of my trail cameras took pictures and videos. So when you take 26 trail cams, I had three to 4,000 plus pictures, not counting all the videos. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of wildlife, right? Different, different species of deer, uh, bucks with uh, velvet on the antlers, uh, bucks rubbing their antlers against the trees, rutting and stuff, chasing the does, uh, uh, you know, uh, baby deer. I mean, you name it, turkeys. But like I was saying behind in the in the green room, where I got this particular footage, pictures, whatever it may be, is there was no wildlife. There was no deer, no squirrels, no raccoons, no turkey, no <clears throat> birds, nothing. I mean, I was sitting there looking at videos 
And I'm like, what, what's triggering this video at night? And I would have to zoom in on my touchscreen. And I'm like, damn, that's a that's a, a field mouse running up a damn tree log. And that's how good 30 feet away it was picking up motion, right? So, and uh, and it was very interesting because I wanted people to see how, how well this, this got. And plus how well it took pictures of me going up and opening up the camera and turning them off before I took them off. So I'm open to anything, right? Uh, like I said, we don't have bears. I'm in Northern Kentucky or outside Louisville. Uh, so it's not a bear. Uh, so I have no idea, but I just wanted to run by both of you guys, especially with y'all's experiences, looking at stuff and being out boots on the ground and see what y'all's thoughts were. Yeah. Like I said, the, the first picture you showed us, I mean, that's what made me think of, you know, a bird yeah. of some sort. I agreed with that. The coloration and then the real, the smoothness of it looked like some really fine feathering on it. Right. That's what made yeah. me think of a dove. I mean, all, a lot of birds will look like that, but more of the coloration reminded me of a dove. But yeah. Well, 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 hey, the we'll second one, the second one, the, the, the texture of the hair on it, kind of reminded me of coon hair and coon fur mm -hmm. um but obviously with no definition and no marks or anything you, we can't really say anything on it right. you know but that that's what the fur kind of reminded me of was was the, the raccoon fur like on the back of a coon or something but that, that's unfortunately, just unfortunately i have inconclusive <laughs> photos right yeah exactly and, and, yep and you know and, and it, it sucks to have that but mm -hmm. I, I got two cameras that I failed to get. And uh, what was weird is when I went to retrieve these cameras, uh, I have one of these real fancy uh, GPSs, right? And yep. it malfunctioned to get the cameras. And my daughter was like going eight nuts, like, Dad, it's not right. You know, you need to hmm. send it back. And I, I wanted to tell them, like, honey, I had it like for a year and a half. There ain't nothing wrong with it. And she got right. her cell phone out to get a compass out to prove me wrong. And it was like, Dad, look at this. It's going in circles. And I'm like, uh, that's not something, right? Because when we put the cameras out, I, I, had, I did coordinates on each camera. So mm -hmm. I knew exactly where to go to to get these cameras. Because these cameras, and I'm telling you, if you all never put cameras out before, you would put two or three cameras out within 30, 40, 50 yards of each other or whatnot. And turn around, and look, and you cannot even see them on the trees. Which right. tree you put them on? So I had to use coordinates, right, to, to plot each each camera. But uh, it was interesting to see the uh, the the electronics to fail in my uh, police camera that I used for evidence uh, when I was on the force. Uh, when I was out there putting the cameras up. Uh, I never had problems with it, and it malfunctioned, and my uh, SD card got zapped, and I lost 70% of my photographs, and we had a picture on there, which it turned uh, the date from 2023 to 2009, and it turned the time to whatever, and there was a picture. I had a 30 by 700 lens on it. Uh, I couldn't tell you the distance, and I couldn't tell you where I took the photograph. But it looked like something was staring at me in the woods. <laughs> but 
without the date and time stamp, I cannot go back and debunk that and look at it and measure and see if it's um, tree, tree roots, a uh, ball of right. tree roots, right? So once again, inconclusive. Yep. So it's like, I don't know where I took that photograph because it was a long shot and I don't know the distance. I don't know where at in the woods, what part of the woods. So I, I just, I'm at a loss. Yeah, that would be mind boggling too, the deal with that. It's kind of like a, I don't know, I, kind of like some kind of weird warp or I don't know. I don't know what to think of. <laughs> I don't know, but it, I'd be interested to see the other two cameras. But the 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 question that I have that 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 really throws me off my mind game, right, gentlemen, mm -hmm. is that of out of all of the cameras, the abundance of wildlife on each camera, you know, three hundred pictures plus, uh, all the deer all the wildlife but in this particular set of woods nothing and hmm. that that's what was really weird and it's like nothing you know like three or four you saw the pictures the only reason why it took pictures is because the shading and the leaves it was right. growing and it was like no wildlife and it was the same thing on the other cameras nothing it didn't take like three or four pictures that was it in the other cameras, it was wildlife galore. It's like they stayed away from that area. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that is uh, a known phenomenon in, in dead spots in the woods. I mean, that does happen. You know, you talk to any long-term hunter or something, and then there's no explanation for it, but you do get so-called dead spots where you aren't going to find any wildlife in, in the area at all, you know? Um, I'd, I'd be curious to see what the geological structure is right in those woods and in the area where you were having the problem with, with your GPS not working and, and the compass not doing it right and stuff. I'm curious because certain deposits of minerals can cause, you know, short-term effects like that within the magnetic system. Agree, right? But mm -hmm. it didn't do it the first time when I went out and placed the cameras because I used it to put up all the cameras. Right. Okay. It was only when I went to retrieve them. Only when you went to retrieve it. Are that you are you aware of was there any kind of storm or bad weathers prior to going no. back out there? No, it was a clear sunny day, nice weather. Hmm. Yeah, shorts and t-shirt out in the woods, yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, that's very bizarre. It is. And once again, you know, I wish I had uh, that million dollar picture to say this is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. But you know, right? It's, uh, it's whatever y'all want to imagine it, it could be. I, I don't know, and I just want to get your all's opinion on it. So, especially boots on the ground and your all's uh experiences with dealing with stuff like this. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that'd be my guess on them. Yeah, all I right. can't really go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just gonna say no, I can't say that I've ever had anything strange happen with my cameras. As much as I use them in the woods, I never really had anything bizarre. That you know, I mean, maybe a couple minor strange things because you know, especially I set mine in video mode a lot. So you know, I mean, something you know, like if it wasn't a moving limb from the breeze, something. I mean, I've had times where my camera's gone off before. Now. And not noticing any kind of movement from the trees or limbs, but 
Um, sometimes you'd be surprised. Sometimes a, a, a little bug might sense us. Uh, depends on mm, how your sensitivity right. sends it, you know? That if you have cool. a high sensitivity camera, yeah, sometimes a bug flying by the sensor might spark it off. But so, which I've captured, yeah, you can see in the, you know on the camera. I have that bugs that look like bright little light bulbs, you know, but you can see their wings and stuff. But right, <laughs> right. So right. Yeah. All right, Daniel. So for for our audience that doesn't know who you are and and what you get up to, why don't you give us a little background and bio on? on what you do right now, and then what kind of got you started in, in the big search. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, as you know, my name is Daniel Benoit. Uh, I've been involved with Bigfoot Research for approximately about 13 years now. Um, you know, 13 years is really not a long time to be in this, you know, but I, you know, I, I feel like I've come a long ways in this short time. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you, uh, you know, like a, many other people, uh, you guys are familiar with Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin and mm -hmm. that amazing debatable film, um, the Roger Patterson, Bob Gimlin film of Patty back in 1967. Uh, that was a big part of what got me really into this, uh, among a few other things. But that film really opened something up for me. Um, you know, it was a it was a big curiosity that kind of hit me. Um, and then as I got into it, that uh, there was a passion that kind of developed out of it that got me into wanting to look for more evidence. I look for myself, you know. Um, you know, and I'm going to tell you, I was actually blown away when I got on social media. When I was new to social media, I started to eventually discover like several other people that were involved with this. And um, I, I was seeing a lot of different theories when I first uh, stepped foot into this. And uh, even till today, I, I'm one of those people, I don't jump on board with anything. I have to, I have to look into it. I have to try to find some or conduct some kind of research that might give me some leverage on, on this piece of information. Um, however, I, I don't dismiss a lot of these theories. I'll consider them to uh, with a possibility, um, but for me in this field, it's important for me personally to stay grounded. And, and when I say grounded, um, I have to be careful with jumping onto these theories. I, I have no problem speaking about them, discussing them, but I need to have evidence. I need to have something that will give me leverage to lean towards them or look into that direction um i guess to clarify more of what i'm trying to say is i i have always been the flesh and blood type researcher um and i've always been very objective on a lot of things even my own findings i've come across a lot of interests a lot of interesting things over the years uh both in and out of the field um but yeah, like I said, I've been involved with this for 13 years, and and you know, I started off solo. I was a I was somebody that was by himself um, for a good part of the first couple of years. Then I started meeting other people, and started to associate with other people. Um, I was learning from other people, you know, some basic knowledge here and there, and then I wanted to expand on the research. I wanted to uh, step foot, you know, I wanted to 
get, you know, start my own little community, you know, and um, that's kind of where the ECBRO came about. Um, the East Coast Bigfoot Researchers Organization. Uh, a lot of my research uh, actually took place, even though I'm based out of Virginia, a lot of my research took place up in uh, Pennsylvania. I'm actually up here right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, Pennsylvania has been a big part of my research. Uh, of course, Virginia for most of the 13 years. Um, I've visited, you know, done some minor scouting in South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, West Virginia. Um, done a good deal of uh, research in West Virginia. Um, and then uh, even as far as up is around Rhode Island. But so, you know, my, a lot of my research is based out of the, uh, Virginia and the rest of the East Coast. And over the years, I've actually met and um, collaborated with many people and fellow researchers, um, just uh, met up with many eyewitnesses. I've interviewed and, um, and investigated a lot of reports over the years. And um, I've gathered a lot of notes and information. Um, a lot of the information I gather from Virginia, from reports, um, I find that there's a lot of similarities, a lot of, uh, a lot of information that we can collaborate and compare and, uh, with other reports. So that's a big part of what I've been doing. Um, apart from research, I am a, as you mentioned earlier, I am an annual Virginia Bigfoot Conference host. Um, well, I host that every June right here in Virginia. Uh, information about that can be found on our event, uh, our Facebook page on Facebook, the ECBRO Annual Virginia Bigfoot Conference. Uh, I do have a website for that as well. It's the babigfootcon.com. Um, a little bit more about me. Uh, my biggest thing on this whole topic of, with Bigfoot in general is spreading awareness. Uh, <clears throat> spreading awareness about who I am and what I do, um, as, as well as sharing my research and my view on the topic. Um, when I go to a various events to speak at them, I, I'm very careful on how I conduct my presentation. My biggest thing is to let everybody know right from the get-go, I'm not here to convince you. I just want to present my view. And one of the things I've been doing lately in my presentation is called entertaining the thought. It's one thing I, I point out throughout my presentation. And with entertaining the thought of a possibility uh, of one of the many theories that are out there, um, I'm kind of putting myself in a, uh, um, doing my own little series here. Uh, the more I'm able to get out there and do these presentations, the more I'll start sharing with stuff. Um, you know, there's a couple different possibilities because one of the things I like to do is ask the audience. Uh, I don't always ask, but when it pops up on my presentation slide, I like to, I do like to get familiar with other people's thoughts and theories on what they think Bigfoot might be. Uh, then I throw out a few examples, you know, for example, could he be an alien? Is he a Neanderthal? Is he an ape? Or do you think he's a human hybrid? Those are few that I go with. Then I do get into other possibilities where I might have my view on where he might come from. Um, but not to get really into that, like um, not to get too drawn into that. But, um, I keep things basic. I try to keep things basic because I just want people to consider that possibility without dismissing it. Um, and with that being said, everybody else wants their theories put out there without it being dismissed. So I'm just doing the same thing with my theories. So, you know, um, just something to consider, nothing to, you know, you don't want to rule it out. That's my point behind a lot of it. So, um, 
But with a lot of my comparisons with what I do present, I I I do point out some facts. Uh, and let me say what those facts are. My facts mainly pertain and talk. Uh, they're referring to our known species of wildlife. What they're capable of for are. Let me give you more example. Uh, more specifically, primates, non-human primates. We're talking about gorillas, chimpanzees, baboons, orangutans. I like to present their behaviors. I like to present their characteristics, um, everything that they're responsible for, and what they're known for doing. Even their diets. Look at what they look at what they do in their behavior. Look at what they have been observed doing. Let's look at what we observe here in our own backyard when we do Bigfoot research. There's a lot of fingers being pointed with Bigfoot getting credit for a lot of this stuff, although we've never witnessed Bigfoot doing it. But we can consider that possibility because look, there's a known species of primates that's known for doing this. So my question to everybody is, can Bigfoot be a type of primate? You know? So if somebody was to come out and ask me, well, what do you think Bigfoot is? Well, I do present that with what I just said, but I try not so much to put that out there too much because I want people to consider what I'm trying to present to them. I do believe Bigfoot is some type of unknown, unclassified primate of his own kind. Um, and I'm careful of that because I'm not making them equal to a chimpanzee. I'm not making them equal to a gorilla. Although there is some similarities with behaviors. Um, I do think Bigfoot is something entirely different. But, um, but yet there is some similar traits and characteristics. Um, I don't know if that, any of that makes sense. I know I ramble sometimes yeah, when I'm no, talking. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's something I'm working on. Um, you know, I have a few research guide books I put out there, and a lot of it is my based off of my research. Uh, I do have a field guide I, I put out there. Um, and the field guide is basically just to keep the average Joe out there a little bit more objective when he finds stuff, you know. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's basic information, you know? Um, so yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at right now. Um, I mean, I'm going to continue doing a share of my research. If I learn something new, if I, if I go into a different direction, I mean, I have no problem doing that. Um, I just feel that it's important to stick on, I guess you could say one topic before it branches out too far and the, all these other fields, if that makes any sense. So. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel it's important to study there because I think with a lot of the basics, I think a lot of the basics are overlooked and neglected because um, there's a lot that we uh, people don't understand or can't explain. So they have to sway over this way and consider all these other possibilities. And I questioned those other possibilities. I said, do we have any evidence of that? Um, has it been witnessed before? Is there enough to lean towards that? You know, when we have enough to lean towards what's more critical uh, when it comes to trying to keep our ourselves planted, uh, grounded, if that makes any sense. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah. So, Does your field guide cover any about uh, collecting evidence? Brian Barber wants to know. 
Um, as far as collecting evidence, uh, it's basically, it does give you awareness to be careful of what you consider evidence. Um, you know, for example, foot tracks. Um, that's one of the illustrations in my field guide that I do point out because I felt that was one of the things that are important to observe. Because uh, I will be one of the first to admit that when it comes to bear tracks, I personally, myself, had been fooled by bear tracks. So they can be very deceiving. Um, over the years, I've seen so many different tracks that actually been picked, uh, uh, photos have been taken of these tracks, and people share them thinking they got Bigfoot. And some of them are very obvious double step bear tracks. And I actually share that and show that how a I take two different bear tracks. And then I actually show an illustration where I actually merge those two front and rear together, how it looks like a humanoid foot track. Um, so bear tracks, when it comes to wildlife, I, I always try to get people to learn about your wildlife. I mean, I'm 43 years old. Sometimes there's still things that, you know, can be deceiving. Um, so it's very important to observe and be objective, you know, when it comes to observing what you find. Um, one thing I like to state, and I say this on my, uh, on my social media platforms, my websites, is learn and know what is known before seeking the unknown. And I say that because, it's, again, it's important to be objective. Do not neglect what our wildlife is known for doing. Um, only because there's so many fingers being pointed and with Bigfoot getting credit for something that we find in the woods. But we're forget we're neglecting what else is responsible for doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, example, a simple tree break. Just because you find a tree break doesn't mean Bigfoot did it. I mean, we got weather, we got bears that like to play in damaged trees, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, one of the last times about a few weeks ago when I was out camping, one of the first nights there at camp, it was actually it was still daylight. It was probably about three o'clock. Just a few of us were sitting around the fire just talking. And all of a sudden, we hear this loud crack. And then we hear it right behind us. We look over down behind the creek. All of a sudden, this tree falls over. I was like, I was excited for a moment. But as soon as I heard the crack, I got, I mean, I instantly got up. I looked over. There was nothing there. All you see is a tree fall. It made me wonder. You know, it's like, okay, there was nothing there. What made that tree fall? One thing I come to realize after I got my calm down and without jumping to conclusions, there's a lot of dead standing trees. A lot of trees have a lot of rot. Some of them mm -hmm. are just barely standing. There was no wind that made that tree fall. That tree was just ready to fall. Sometimes that happens and we don't realize that we want to think and contribute other out of these world possibilities, you know? Um, was there a cloaking Bigfoot? Although I don't believe in cloaking to a, you know, to a certain extent. I've been asked that numerous times, but was there something invisible there I was not looking at? Hey, if there is, I mean, I had no proof of that because <laughs> all I saw was a tree fall by itself. You know, uh, we all witnessed that there, you know, but so, yeah, sorry if I got a little off course refer uh, related to that question. But <laughs> no, I mean, that makes sense. And I think yeah. that's a good perspective yeah. to do because a lot of people, whether it's in the cryptic world or the paranormal, that's the first thing they do is jump to conclusions, right? Because yeah. I can yeah. take that black and white photo and go, that's a dog band. <laughs> and try right. to convince everybody, right? Which I have no idea what that is. 
and I, I can't prove it one way or another because I, I don't have another camera showing what that is, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you always want to be, you know, not that one person that always wanted to, to jump to conclusions because uh, Justin says before, uh, there's Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts in the area making these little teepee things, right? And, oh, my God, is this what? You know, it's a birthday <laughs> hut, you know? Right, and it's right. like, no, no. And I, I've i seen turkey hunters make those before out in the mm-hmm. woods. So, but, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Well, me, me and my friends as kids would, would go out into the woods and build forts and structures and then ground lines and debris huts and, and we just build forts and play. That was just part of our play. It's what we did. You know, we'd be off in the middle of a patch of woods somewhere, you know, probably further than we should have been out in the woods, but we didn't care. We were having fun, you know? I mean, that's a big yeah. part of it. We used to have so many people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what I think. Any kid that grew up in the woods did that. <clears throat> so it was like what I tell people when they start talking about structures and stuff. I go, by looking at a structure, all you really know is that those trees are leaned up against each other mm-hmm. that's literally the extent of your knowledge everything else is speculation so if you're going to tell me that you think a bigfoot did that then i need to know what your evidence is that a bigfoot did that exactly you, you know exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of things people don't take into account people don't take into account that the very tops of trees break and fall hmm. down so you hear all these things about well this this branch here wasn't didn't have roots and it was upside down and i the first thing i do is look up right because i've seen time and time again and i've actually witnessed the tops of the trees breaking off and falling in in a little bit of wind you know that's natural right and so when anybody wants to come up and say this a bigfoot made this i go what's your evidence that was from a bigfoot and one yeah. of the things a lot of people say is, well, no person comes out here. <clears throat> and I look at him, well, I go, you're well, you're th- exactly. Well, you're there. Are you telling me you're the only person that's ever been out to that spot in the history of the world? You know, and then it's, it's logical process and thinking like that, that is really, I don't want to say missing in the field, but lacking in our field. I think so many people are so excited about the topic. That they go out and they see Bigfoot and everything. Right. I agree with you 100%. Because, you know, that goes to show where I always tell people, this is what I I tell people because I I get asked, I have been asked numerous times in the past, I want to start looking for Bigfoot. What should I do? Well, I I start off with a couple simple things. I said, one, you want to pick your area, you know, your choice of woods and kind of scout the area, get to know the area, the terrain, get familiar with the wildlife. But when you go out there in those woods, get Bigfoot off the brain and forget completely about Bigfoot. Yeah. Because even now, as long as I've been doing this, I know it's easier said than done because you do mm-hmm. get excited. You're in the field. You're in your environment. You're you're in a place where you're familiar with everything. But the simplest things can really get you turned on when it comes oh, to yeah. I know that. So, like I said, it's easier said than done. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of occurrences and phenomenons that take place out in nature that we don't get to witness. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing you were talking about, like teepee structures for it. Now, yeah, dad taught me and my brother throw, you know, how to throw sticks together and, you know, uh, dead trees 
and make a TV. We used to build TVs as a kid, you know, yep. and taller ones too. But the other thing is too, when you, they, they do fascinate me. I have come across a lot of TV type structures in the woods and it is fascinating. I, I take pictures. I document a lot of these regardless, even though I wasn't there to witness what made it, I still, I'll document it, share it, mm -hmm. you know, on social media, let people observe what I find. But there's another thing too, weather plays a key role in a lot of these structures. Yeah. We may not witness it, but people don't realize when these trees fall and collide, they, they end up catching together and yeah. they might just get, happen to get caught in that same, the one same tree together. Now, one thing I will say this, and I know this, the storm didn't do this, something or somebody had done this, but I have found a series of trees branched together up into a standing tree. But one of those trees that were wedged in the fork of that one standing tree, the root balls were up in the air. So how did that root ball get up there? Something or somebody had to do that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in my opinion, anyway, the way I looked at that, somebody or something with opposable thumbs and something that was able to grip and hold and place it there, you know? Um, so yeah, there is some things that I consider that, okay, something took some time to do this. Sure. Uh, one one of the things I've come across was these structures and trees made from different species of trees woven together. I have found that on a few occasions. It's not common, but I have found it on a few in my research area here uh, down in Virginia. So something is taking the time to create these. What are they? I don't really know. I haven't. I have. I really don't have a thought on what they are, um, but. They do fascinate me to find these because to mm -hmm. me, that's kind of mind blowing. So, I mean, I'll take pictures and videos the best I can and, and I'll share it. I said, look, this is what I found. I don't know what it is, but I, you know, I, I don't believe this grew like this because there was a lot of these miscellaneous trees and branches woven together that came from somewhere different areas, you know, cause yeah. I look around and I observe the surrounding area. Well, you got a pine limb here. You're all, you're surrounded by all hardwoods. Where the pine limb come from, you know? Yep. Uh, you know, just for an example, you know, so. But, uh, well, see, and that's so, exactly what I'm talking about, right? It, it's the logical assessment of what you're seeing. And then you're looking for any evidences that would tell you it's something other than natural. Your first thought has to be this is a natural occurrence. And then you look at it and try and disprove that it's natural. And if you like you said, if you're seeing an actual weaving pattern, well, that's mm -hmm. not something that can occur naturally root balls up in the air i have yet to come up with a theory of how that could occur naturally right right and that's exactly what we're talking about so brian when you're talking about evidence uh the, the key thing is looking at exactly what is truly evidence and what isn't and then if you're talking about collecting evidence it's also what are you collecting it for are you collecting it for yourself well then you would use a little bit different methodology it really wouldn't matter a whole lot except for the preservation of what you're trying to keep right or if you're just taking pictures and videos for social media and whatnot now if you're talking trying to collect evidence for like scientific analysis that's a whole different ball game and, and you actually need real training to do that properly mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the problems i hate to say it but 90 percent of the people out in the woods trying to collect evidence have no clue how to collect evidence they, they might have watched CSI a couple times or, or read something that somebody posted in a blog, 
but that's not the same thing as actual training. And I'm sure Grizzly can talk to that with his background in law enforcement. Like there's specific things. A chain of command is a huge one. A chain mm -hmm. of uh, chain of possession, right? Um, and that's one thing that Bigfooters don't. Yeah, that's one of the things Bigfooters don't follow because to them that has nothing to do with the evidence, and and it doesn't have anything to do with the evidence of itself. But the chain of custody, thank you, it, it shows who touched it where, so it can be tracked. Without a trackable thing on it, then they can call into question the entire entire piece of evidence. You know, and so there's a lot of things. So again, Brian, it, it, it comes up to what you're collecting, why you're collecting it will really depend on how you go about doing it. Right. Uh, yeah, I wanted to respond real quick. I think it was uh, Yolanda. Did I say that right? Yes, Yolanda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was asking about, do they uproot trees and carry them? Uh, I believe that's very possible. I mean, bears will push over and uproot trees, but as far as carrying them, though, Depending on what they're capable of carrying, I believe that's a good possibility. Why they, you know that they would for whatever purpose, but um, but I definitely, yeah, I definitely would not rule that out that they can't. I mean, I, I believe and feel that they can. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it makes logical sense. So. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Another thing you brought up was, was footprints and, and bear prints and all this kind of stuff. Um, one of the things I always I always go for, if somebody has a footprint track, there has to be others to make it evident as far as I'm concerned, right? Because a single track could very easily be a Bigfoot or a bear double step, right? But if you look around, you're going to find other bear signs. right? Bears don't, uh, bears don't just isolate themselves. You're not going to have just an isolated set of prints because bears aren't that big they don't have a 10 foot stride right, right. so you're going to find other indications of bear and if you don't and that's the only thing you find is that one print nothing else anywhere else then to me that's not considered good evidence mm -hmm. because you you can't show what it is you can't put a stride together you can't do there's no trackway involved there's no way to prove or disprove what what that can be yeah. You know what I mean? I'm a big believer in that. It might be a good thing for you personally to look at, but it's not something that I would sit here and proclaim, you know, to the Bigfoot community. I have evidence because um, just one pick, one footprint doesn't do it for me. What do you think right. about that? Well, you you actually made me think of something I uh, I witnessed. Well, not witnessed, but came across one time. Have you ever seen a set of bear tracks disappear? <laughs> right. Well, I actually, I actually came across that one time, and it made sense to me. It, it made me uh, realize something that I always actually thought. I was noticing some very large bear tracks, and they were nothing but bear tracks, front paw, rear paw, and all of a sudden, I was like, I'm, "Now, keep in mind, let me let me tell you where this was at. This was in a clearing where there was power lines. The ground mm -hmm. was clear. Well, where I was seeing these bear tracks." It came to a dead stop. And then it occurred to me. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. And I'm I'm looking around. I see the bear tracks where they stop. And I'm walking around. I'm stepping around. And I was like, oh, it's like soft right here. No wonder why they got left pretty deep. And then all of a sudden they come to a stop because the ground, the ground and the terrain changes. Mm -hmm. It might be soft in one area, then the firmness picks up here. 
where it's strong enough to where an impression won't be left. Sure. I and it made sense to me because you know this may not be the logical explanation for what people claim that well, I follow the set of Bigfoot tracks and they come to it, they disappear, they stop. Well, but in most cases, I believe this is the situation that, or the scenario where the ground, the terrain changes, the firmness sure. and softness of the ground. You know, it can be soft in one spot, two, uh, a foot or two over or in front, wherever. It, yeah, it becomes solid, you know. Absolutely. So, so those are things I've observed in the field myself, and I made note of that. So it's just something people got to keep that in mind, too. And again, it may not be always the case. I don't know. If there's something, if, if people are following Bigfoot tracks and they disappear and with no trees around, I have no expl explanation for that. But um, right, I mean, and I've, heard, I've mean, heard people throw that out there before. I don't. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, I've heard that I've heard the claim mm -hmm. of you know following a track, a Bigfoot trackway out into a like a freshly plowed field, and the tracks just stop in the middle of it. Right. But I, I've never seen evidence. I've never seen anybody actually do a video of it. I haven't seen anything like that. So as far as I know, it's a claim. Right. But I've also heard in the same kind of reports that Bigfoot will backtrack on themselves, you know, for a good distance. And then, like, climb a tree and go a different direction. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot before. of mysterious things. There's a lot of mysterious things, but we also, you know... It's like Sherlock Holmes would say, you got to exclude the possible to find out the impossible, you know, and then that's kind of what you have to do. You have to look at all the possible ways this could have occurred. And to do that, you have to have a knowledge base. Right. And that's one of the one of the great things I love about how you operate and how you do your research is, is you focus on being a naturalist for your your territory. You know your biome, you know your local flora and fauna, and you research that as part of being a Bigfoot researcher. So that way you know and understand what's happening in the woods when you do come across something wild. Right. You know, and then and a good example of that, a while back, we owned property up in Rogersville, Tennessee. And um, over the course of about three days, all of a sudden we had this line of trees in our yard, in our property, in the woods part that about starting about four foot up to about eight foot up all the bark and and a good part of the tree itself was like torn up and chewed up and and you could see the splinters and everything laying on the ground right and it was really interesting because there was a line of about five or six trees in a direct line heading from the the back facing the house all the way back up into the the uh, ridge line and at first, the first thought I wanted to go was, man, that was a Bigfoot. Look at this. It's in a straight line and blah, 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 blah. But then I'm going, well, wait a minute. Porcupines can do that. Bears can do that. You know, there's some birds that would do that. So you can't just go ahead and say that was a Bigfoot because it's weird. Right, you know, weird, right. is not, weird is not a qualifying, you know, evidence point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's like what I was saying earlier, that you can't rule out your known wildlife when a lot of our known species of wildlife are, are known for everything that we're giving Bigfoot the credit for. Yeah. Um, and Yolanda asked another question. This, I, I'm glad she asked this question because the, the short answer for that is not all of them. And, and that's yeah. a proven fact. I, I have shown that and demonstrated that by 
taking pictures and documenting and showing everybody that not every bear track will show claws. Um, Correct. Because, you know, I've had a lot of people, oh, it's not a bear, bear track. You don't have no claws in it. That don't mean nothing. <laughs> it don't because bear tracks do a Google search. A Google search will show you bear tracks without claws. Look at them. They will show you. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, be careful observing these tracks because bear tracks will not always display claws. Yeah. So, it depends on what they're, how they're stepping and what terrain they're stepping in. So, most of the bear claws I've seen, I mean, very few of the tracks I've ever found had bear claws in them. Uh, most of the claw marks I've ever seen were on trees, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. But, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Trees so. or, or food logs where they're tearing up looking for grubs. Right. Yep. All right. So, so, yeah, keep in mind, not all bear tracks display or show or share mm -hmm. claw marks. So, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like a, as a deer hunter, years back when I hunted deer, um, because that's what you're focused on every sound you heard was a deer you know yeah. every shuffle every snap was that 30 point butt coming at you you know uh oh, been, 90 percent yeah. of the time it's a squirrel you know yeah, hopping across from tree to tree or something stupid like that but it sounded like the biggest buck you ever heard you know exactly and people laugh at me when i say that crap I've yeah, been but out it's there true hunting. yeah i'll be out there hunting behind my little ground blind dead quiet and all of a sudden you hear yeah it might be a deer prancing in you know whatever you lean over look up see what it is and you see this big giant gray fox roll hopping around yeah so you gotta be kidding me i was like i should just shoot that just to shut him up <laughs> <laughs> right but that, that's exactly the same phenomenon of people going onto the woods looking for bigfoot what do they say you're gonna find what you're looking for whether it's there or not you know what I mean? If you're if you're going through and you're you're looking for Bigfoot sign, you're gonna find Bigfoot sign, even if that's not what it really is. Yeah. Sorry, I was trying to hold back my laugh because I saw the question and the joke on the. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> did, you, did you have money or just a few bucks? <laughs> that was pretty good. Good Lord, that Sean. Good. <laughs> that's good <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what man. was that, Brian? The difference between bear nut, uh, beer nuts and deer nuts? I don't think I want to know. <laughs> I, I, we're, we're going in the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, but, uh, have you, Daniel, have you ever had a, what we would call a class A, an actual visual sighting of Bigfoot? The visual sighting I've ever had, you know, I'll tell you, happened back in 2014. Now, the, uh, the bypass a lot of the details that led up to the encounter. Uh, let me, uh, I will start back on this one. We first noticed what we saw. There was, by the way, there were six of us that shared our encounter. And the first thing we saw was this set of eye shine up, uh, up ahead of us off the side of the road. And the first set of eye shine was kind of sitting kind of low. And, uh, I'm not for sure if you know Tracy Arnold or not. Um, yep. Tracy, this was back in 2014 where Tracy was part of the group. Where we were camping and we were coming back to the lake that was in the area. And as we were working our way out the, the forest road to the main forest road um, from the lake, we were walking a single file line. And uh, it's funny, we just saw a deer. There was a deer walking right towards us. 
And one thing I always point out, I thought was odd that it didn't like scurry out of the way. It just was nonchalantly walking towards us. And before it turned off, it was like 10 feet in front of us before it went off into the woods further into the darkness. And uh, yeah, I say further into the darkness because right now at this point, it was just after midnight. And we're walking, oh, yeah. we, have our, we, have, we have our headlamps on. And then right after seeing that is when I noticed up ahead on the opposite side of the road. And uh, keep in mind, at first, I didn't realize it was a set of eye shine because I was trying to get it in focus. And what I thought it was at first, my very first thought was, was these little yellow signs in the National Forest. Sometimes you find them in random locations. Mm -hmm. And some of them, what they will say on them is no vehicles beyond this point. Well, I'm staring at it. And all of a sudden, it did become in focus because it actually blinked. And when I realized it was actually a set of eye shine, because I just, my vision and trying to focus at it, because there's probably about maybe 30 feet up in front of us. And I'm not seeing nothing but eye shine. But yeah, it, that's when it blinked, when I realized it was eye shine. And it was, they were kind of large looking, but they were bright yellowish eyes. <clears throat> and I believe, you know, whatever the, the lights were, uh, their eyes were reflecting off of the lights. And then Tracy Arnold, I got his attention. He was the next one right behind me. <clears throat> and I said, Tracy, what the heck is that? This was after I realized it was eyes. And one of the first things I said to Tracy, I said, is that a freaking mountain lion? I don't know why. It was the first thought that popped in my mm -hmm. head. Because it was sitting low, you know? Sure, and all like of a it was crouching. Right. And it zipped off because it, it was by a tree. That's I can make out it was sitting by a tree. And then it zipped off. And Tracy got the, the rest of the group. He's guys, get up here. We got some eyes on up here. So we didn't recognize what it was. Now, for the record, the only other animal out in those woods I've ever seen with bright yellow eyes is if you ever see a raccoon. Raccoons have these bright, piercing, yellow-looking eyes. Well, didn't know what the heck we were looking at, but they were large and bright-looking. But we got back up to that spot where we saw that set of eye shine, because Tracy noticed it, too, after I pointed it out to him. So we get up there, and also we're looking down in there, and behold, we see that set of eye shine again. It's probably sit back another 30, between 30 and 40 feet, roughly. And this set of eye shine is swaying side to side pretty swiftly. Like, what the heck is this, you know? Even though we're at the the edge of the forest road, it did slope down a little bit, then level back out. So we're, we're still looking down at this and you could tell whatever this was, was kind of small. Uh, I think we estimated as later on, we estimated whatever it was, was around the four feet mark, you know, it oh, had yeah. no more, no taller than four feet. And here we are, we're looking at this, which is very bizarre. There's swaying side to side. And then maybe not even a minute later or so, about five, six feet to the right of it, Another set of eye shine of the same kind appeared, but this one was a little bit taller, probably by another two feet. And this set of eye shine, we couldn't tell of any movement. We noticed it blinked its eyes on occasions. So we're looking at this four foot subject. I call him subject because, I, again, we didn't know. I didn't know. Nobody else knew. We weren't making out no details or nothing. We're just seeing the eye shine. And, but the small one still swaying side to side pretty swiftly. Well, we're observing this. And I was like, I'm trying to figure out what the heck are we looking at? I mean, I'm familiar with all the wildlife in this general area. Nothing's ringing a bell. Nothing's coming up in my internal database, you know, in my mind. And then while we're observing the two of these or whatever these subjects are, 
I'm scanning the tree line the best I can because it was thick in there. There was some a lot of trees. There were some thick bushes at the time. For the record, this was May 3rd of 2014. And all of a sudden, over in the other bushes, some feet away, I, I noticed another set of eye shine. But this set of eye shine looked like it was literally down on the ground. Literally on the ground. And I, I pointed out, I said, guys, there's another set of eye shine down there. Look, I don't know who else looked, but I think the only person that observed a lot of what I witnessed was Tracy Arnold. And I'm keeping my focus on that other set of eye shine. Because that third set of eye shine, actually, after staring at it, started growing up. I started raising, and it kept raising and raising. I and I actually call it growing because it, it kept getting taller and taller and taller. All of a sudden, it come to a dead stop. And over the bushes, here it is, a third set of eye shine with large, uh, bright yellow-looking eyes. This third subject was towering over top of the six-foot one by another two feet. So we're looking at three subjects at three different height levels. We got a four-foot one that's still swaying side to side. We got a six-foot one still blinking his eyes on occasion, doing nothing more. Now, all of a sudden, I notice this third set of eye shine that's very tall. Oh, I mean, from our height where we were standing, I'm six foot tall. Keep in mind, it did slope down a few, you know, a little bit and then a little back out. This third set of eye shine looked like it was like eye level with me. You know, keep in mind, I was on the higher ground and I'm staring at it. Now, Tracy Arnold, he spoke out and said this, and I just couldn't find myself to jump on that just yet. But Tracy was the first one, actually the only one, to say, guys, we got squatches. We got squatches. And a part of me wanted to believe that, but I couldn't jump on that yet. I needed something to confirm. Because these eye shines at three different uh, height levels, I mean, still had me, it had me baffled. I, it, I didn't know what to think, or I didn't know how to identify what we were looking at. But it wasn't until that, that tall one actually made a maneuver where it turned to its left and appeared to take a step or two and looked back right at us, blinking his eyes. But in the middle of that maneuver, and I believe it was the proper angle that the light caught it. Now, I've spoken to Tracy since then. He swears he's had seen the same thing. But without doubt, clear as could be, these wide, broad shoulders and a big round head sitting on top was clearly made out. That silhouette, that shape was clearly made out. And instantly I was able to rule out, okay, these are not bears. One thing, every black bear in you know in Virginia or every black bear I've ever seen at night always had red eye shine off a of reflection of light. And uh, But I was convinced that bear confirmed it for me. I said, we are looking at squatches. What else would these have been? You know, I mean, I was convinced personally that mm -hmm. these were squatches. And after noticing that, the three of them, they all appear to turn off and disappear further into the darkness. And after they disappeared, we took back off of foot to head back towards camp. Now, by the time we get back to camp, we're still talking about it. Uh, for the record, none of us were scared. We were actually all excited about this. There was one couple that was uh, with us, uh, Kimmy and Darren. They were down from uh, Vermont. Kimmy was the only one making any comments about how she was scared or nervous. And as we were walking back to camp, you know, yeah, you could hear some limb snap. 
you know, whatever they might have been stepping on, you know. She's like, guys, she was freaking out. She's like, guys, they're 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 following us. I said, no, I said they're just working their way back through the woods or whatever, stepping on whatever mm-hmm. they step on, you know. I actually after that whole thing, I mean, I was I wasn't nervous to begin with, but after we walked off and got a little further away, I did have this feeling like I was like so relaxed. I felt calm. Not that I wasn't already calm. I was a little, I think there was a little excitement going on here, observing, trying to figure out what sure. we were seeing at first, you know. But here's a kicker we got back to camp again. We were still talking about it. And me and Tracy Arnold, we were the only ones that had backpacks on. But in our backpacks, we both had night vision binoculars. And not once did we ever think about pulling them out to get a better observation. Not once. Um, so, yeah, that was like, it was like a, I don't even know how to describe that. It was a upsetting disappointment, but yet, like, at the same time, I mean, I kind of laugh and joke about it now because, you know, you hear about so many people seeing something, but they don't have nothing to capture their moment in. You know, you just see, mm-hmm. you get so caught up into it, you know, yeah. the thought of doing the right thing doesn't come across your mind, you know, or what you should be mm-hmm. doing. Um, so yeah, we went back to actually the next day to, uh, we stayed up talking and shooting shit about it for a while, but we went back to that very same location and we actually did a height comparison. A couple of us stayed out by the edge of the road. A couple of us walked down into there, um, got into the positions where we recall seeing everything. Um, uh, in our height estimation, our height comparison actually matched up with what we estimated, you know, as far as the four foot, six foot and eight foot. Um, cause there was me and um trying to remember the other guy's name. He was like he's actually a little taller than me. Uh he lives down in Marion, Virginia, um, a couple hours or so south of me. And um, but yeah, we were the tallest ones out of the whole group. And we were there doing the tall, you know, getting right in there and like I said, we were raising up our hands and you know, and Tracy is like, Yep, right there, that's it, that's it right there, you know. So <laughs> you know, and um so everything seemed to match up with what we estimated, you know, on, on the the eye level. We were basing all our heights on the the level of the eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting thing, and uh, I'll never forget that little incident. Um, now there was something that happened a year later when I was by myself. Um, back during 2015, during the hunting season, in that same particular area, but just around the corner, I was camping over there. And um, it was probably about 10 o'clock at night. And I was sitting there in my camp. I had a fire going, my shotgun leaning up in the vehicle. For the record, there was nobody else in the surrounding area. The nearest campsite that was, wasn't that far off, there was nobody there. It was completely empty. <clears throat> there was no other campsites for another half mile or so up the road. Well, while I was sitting there at camp, I'm sitting there. I'm kind of bored. I'm wide awake. I'm not tired. Um, and I decided to grab my spotlight and walk out to the middle of the road in the total darkness. So keep in mind, when I walked out to the road, I did not turn that spotlight on until I got to the middle of that forest road. So, but the first thing I did before turning on, I, I don't know, I do this on some occasions, I stop and I listen. I'll kind of look around and even though I'm not seeing nothing, I look around in total darkness. I do this when I camp by myself. And um, I've done this with others that come up camping with me. I was like, guys, come on, just stop and listen. Don't turn the lights on. Just listen. 
and just relax. Well, here I am looking at the tree line about 20 feet from the edge of the tree line that's out in front of me on the opposite side of the forest road. Over to my left, I start, I pull the trigger on the spotlight. As soon as I hit the tree line, I kicked up a deer. There was a deer somewhere inside that tree line. And you could hear, like, I, I scared the heck out of it. You could hear it run off. And this is all cool. I kicked up a deer. And so I'm starting to pan my spotlight from my left to my right. And as, as I get around between the one and two o'clock position, as soon as I hit right around the two o'clock position, something inside that tree line, very large, very heavy, and without doubt was on two feet, started walking. Every step it took. You could clear it, you could hear it clear as could be, as if it was right next to you. Every step had a crunch and a thump to it. And you could hear mm -hmm. it's like almost like inside my chest. I as soon as I heard this, my heart was already raising up to my throat. Cause it had me on edge and my nerves were going crazy. Like, even though I'm not seeing nothing, I'm hearing this very clearly. Again, something very heavy and without doubt on two feet. It was definitely bipedal. You could hear. Whoosh, I, I guess I feel stupid trying to demonstrate the sounds of it, but it's like, it's like, but yeah, you could hear a snap, whatever is stepping on and the crunch and the thump all together. And when I was hearing this, I instantly started walking backwards, looking behind me, make sure I'm going back to my camp with my opposite hand. I had my keys in my belt loop, make sure my vehicle is unlocked. If I had to jump in my vehicle, but I got back into the camp. And all of a sudden, I threw another log or two in the fire, and I sat down, and I instantly got, like got calm. Everything calmed down. Like I was able to control my breathing, and I got relaxed because I was just playing in my head what just happened. If that was anything that meant any threat or harm to me, they had every opportunity to come probably sack me like a you know football player, you know. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. but this was walking away from me that's what I had to keep that's what I was thinking about I said it was walking away from me now one thing I like to point out about this 2014 and 2015 same general area just around the corner a little ways just prior to having these encounters there was deer present and I, yeah. I, and I asked this question I go back to ask this question because a lot of people believe and say that Deer is a food source for squatches. My question to myself is, or anyone, I mean, I, and I believe it's a good possibility, or was it a coincidence that they were there, or the deer just so happened to be there that close to them? Or were, or did I interrupt a hunt? Were they getting ready to make a kill or snag that deer? You know, I don't know. There's something I look back on because there was deer present prior to having those encounters. So, I like to think there was a good possibility that that's probably what might have happened if I didn't interfere. Sure. So I don't know. It's something I think about. But again, there was deer present in both situations. Um, so were they hunting, or was it just a coincidence that they, ha they happen to be nearby? You know. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's an interesting thought to speculate on, especially with a group of them being right there by the deer. It's very possible they were trying to maneuver and then surround it or whatever technique they were going to use that makes a yeah. lot of sense as a possibility yeah it's something i think about often i mean i i, I share that thought with a lot of people i mean 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no proof that's what they were getting ready to do, but it makes me think of that, you know. Sure. Sure. You know? So yeah, absolutely. makes a lot of sense. Uh, I know so in the in the com oh go ahead. No, no, I was just trying to read what Jimmy yeah, put me up. Me too. Jimmy, one of the, the techniques um, that I, I know is used by a lot of different squatching groups is to have like like a super powerful flashlight. And mm-hmm. they'll, they'll keep them handy. They won't necessarily use them for shining into the woods. But I've heard of being able to use that to turn if one's coming too close or if, if you, you hear something really close and you can shine them in the face. And the, the going from pitch black, you know, using your eyes in pitch black to having a super bright light is enough to kind of stun them and then uh, get them to go away from you. I have heard of that concept before. Mm-hmm. Um, but as again, going back to deer hunting days, we were taught, you don't shine your flashlight through the woods because that's going to scare all the deer away in your area. Anyway, right. they're going to, they're going to know you're there if you're just shining around. Absolutely. But Hey, if you want a really nice, super bright flashlight that, it's a rechargeable one, but the charge will last a long time. Uh-huh. And we're talking about 200,000 lumens. It's only about 30 bucks. You can get them about 30, 40 bucks on Amazon. I own one and I read the reviews on it. I checked it out and I'll tell you what, I took a chance on it. My buddy, David uh, in Virginia, he's a retired liar officer. He's him and his wife are part of my team. They come out camping and uh, investigating with me. He buys a lot of the same thing. Like he 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 picks on me about it because he's like, you gotta stop sending me stuff because I end up buying it. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I show him, look, look what I'm gonna get. Look, I'm looking at this, blah blah blah. Or I'll show him something. I like he doesn't know. Like I I'll order something and I'll show him. Hey, check this out. Yeah. So when we get together and we meet up, I'm looking at all his equipment. I said, you got. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm okay. <laughs> I said, he said, yeah, thanks to you. He said, I can spend all my money buying stuff you show me. <laughs> he could afford it. He's retired. He's retired to two careers. He's retired from the Army and retired from the law uh, police uh, department. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a career in both. But So, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he, he likes to spend money on stuff. He's been building up a lot. Of, he's working on paranormal equipment, too. Uh, okay. Next week, yeah, he's going on a par- uh, paranormal investigation. Him and his wife, they invited me to because he knew I was interested in joining them, and I, uh, I was like, "Well, I, said, I don't know if I'll be back in time. I'm going to be up here for a little while, so you know, we'll see what happens." But so, sure, yeah. But um, That's- yeah, the location where he, uh, the location where he's doing the paranormal investigation, it's got a history. Of the uh, the people that have worked there always reported sharing a lot of wild stuff that happened there, and no other investigation team, no uh, no other paranormal team has ever been there, so. They got oh, nice. permission to be the first ones there to check it out. So, awesome. Yeah. So regardless, if they get him out, I mean, I know he's got good equipment. You know, um, so hopefully they capture something. If I don't get to go with them, you know, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. You got anything new going on in your research or research areas you're checking out new or anything well, going on new for you? Well, you know, as far as we've been doing a lot of investigation uh, touch-ups in my own research area, um, there's actually a, a, a spot or two that we plan on checking out up here. Uh, there's an area not far from where I'm staying that we're going to go investigate. Um, 
So uh, there's actually other people up here, and I didn't want to announce uh, and let them know I'm up here because everybody, I, I know a lot of people here in Pennsylvania. If they find out I'm yeah. up here, everybody's going to want me or want my attention. Say, no, sure. I'm only coming up here to, you know, keep things simple, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But there is, there is one guy, I think he's only about a, maybe an hour, 40 minutes to an hour from here. I might let him know I'm up here because he's been wanting me to come up here. He's um, he's he's been a guest on my podcast, and uh, he's had some Bigfoot sightings and claimed to have seen UFOs very low to the ground out here. So, okay. um, the certain parts of Pennsylvania up here has got they're real big on UFO sightings up here. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. But right I'm now, up, I'm up here in Milwaukee, um, and I've I realized that I'm only about 45 minutes away from the Kettle Moraine. So I'm definitely going to be going over there and checking out the Kettle Moraine. Oh, um, I reached out to a local Bigfooter guy, uh, and gave me some spots to check out. He unfortunately won't be able to come with me because um, I asked him to kind of he would guide me and meet me out there. Yeah, but he says he's got got a lot going on in this time of year, and then that's understandable. But I'm going to go there and check out the Kettle Moraine and then see what I can find out there. Right. Um, uh, Hopefully the audience knows the Kettle Moraine is a, a big crypto uh, area, not just for Bigfoot, but for Dogman as well. It was oh. one of Linda Godfrey's biggest uh, research areas when she was uh, still with us. Um, so I'm excited to go out there. And then I'm also only about 45 minutes away from the legendary Bray Road. Okay. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out to Bray Road and, and just get some shots, you know, and not a whole lot exactly new stuff going on there, but it'll just be cool just to go out to where the Beast of Bray Road legend comes from and check that out. So while I'm right here in Milwaukee, I'll be checking that out for sure. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'm really excited about the Kettle Moraine. Brian's our fairy. <laughs> where are you at, Brian? Oh, yeah, the grandbaby is doing real well. Yeah, he, uh, I made sure I gave him plenty of hugs before I left out of town. So, <laughs> yeah, because he lives at home. So, uh, Jesse, uh, sometime this next coming week, um, I'm not 100% sure yet. I haven't actually put a date on it yet. Um, but I'm thinking maybe like Monday or Tuesday, I might head out and make a day trip out of it. So, you know, hit me up on Messenger and we'll see what we can do. Very awesome. Yep. Yep. Uh, I know the other day I talked with Dan. Oh, I can never pronounce his last name. Nedrello. Nedrello. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah Dan, he, he's up in lacrosse, and we're making arrangements for us to meet up at some point. Um, so I'm excited about that. We we talked for a little bit, and he's he's not too far away, but he might meet up with me when I'm a little bit farther north on my journeys up here. Okay. But I'm Very excited nice. about that. Yep, that'll be a good, a good visit. You know, I tell you, um, if you ever get the chance next year, if you can plan on it, Come on down to South Carolina for the uh, South Carolina Bigfoot Festival. I, I just yep. got back from there a few days ago. Yeah. And um, tell you what, I've been going from year one since they started. It's been going on yeah. for about four years now. 
And uh, tell you what, every year it gets bigger and better. Uh, and I tell you what, every time I go to, I mean, not just that event, but I mean, there's a lot of other events too that, that are always rewarding to attend these events. As you know, you get to meet so many people. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, you get to hear all kinds of interesting stories. I mean, I've had people share every year I go there, I get new stories from somebody new. Uh, a lot of them from the surrounding local area. Then I get to hear a lot of people's stories from Georgia because uh, where the event is in South Carolina, it's only minutes away from the Georgia line for a lot of these people. Um, nice. So, yeah, I mean, you got Georgia and uh, there's a lot of North Carolina people that go there. Uh, I've had one lady that sat in on my presentation. She did she was from Virginia, like two hours south of me. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's people that come from all over. I mean, just as they do with my event, but um, but you know, even there, uh, apart from me doing my presentation, I have my booth set up there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when people come by, they see the oh, you're a researcher, you're you're a blah blah blah. And then they want to start talking to you. They want to open up to you. You know, share everything sure. they know and what they experience. Which I love it. Don't get me wrong, I love oh, it. Yeah. You know, you know I, yeah. Sometimes I, it takes up a lot of your time there when you're. When you're selling stuff and you, you're missing out on sales because somebody wants to share a story per se. It's sure. all good. I appreciate it though. I really do. So yeah. But, uh, yeah I, I was out at the bowling alley with my sister. She was doing some for a school function. And I was sitting there, one of the guys noticed my shirt. I don't know if you can see it, but I got the East Tennessee Bigfoot shirt on from Matt Sieber. And uh, oh. he looks at me and he goes, Are you into that squatch stuff? And I said, yeah, I'm kind of into it a little bit. Yeah. And then, of course, the first thing he says, did you see that video from Colorado going around? Oh, my and God. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen that a couple times because I've had, like, friends and family members sending me that video for the past week. And then, then he goes on, well, do you really, now, mind you, I'm in the heart of Milwaukee here. And he's going, <laughs> do you really believe in that stuff? He's like, I, 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 I just figured with all the tech they would have, they would have found some pictures by now. And I always have the same response to any type of question like that, right? Like, like how come there's not a body? How come there's not bones? How come there's not, you know, good evidence? How come there's not, there's a, my answer is always the same. I go, how do you know there isn't? Right. Exactly. How, how much research have you actually done into it? And he goes, well, I just figured if they had it, it would have been released all over the media by now. <laughs> and I was going, no, I, I don't think it's going to work that way. It's the same thing with the mountain lions. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's, that's, funny. That, that's great. Appala I mean, well, the whole Appalachian is loaded with them. I mean, we, yep. may, we may not see the uh, population of a mountain public like we do with a bunch of squirrels, but... <laughs> or deer absolutely they're around they're just one of the absolutely they're very elusive and they're smart <laughs> and they're there they're there well you dan know, how, can, how can our audience get a hold of you and if they want to get a hold of you or talk to you or or see your events or find out what you got going on uh yeah i mean i'm all over social media i'm not hard to find um facebook is my primary location um you can find me just under my name daniel benoit um, I do have a, a public figure page, but I'm more active on my personal public Facebook page. Um, so yeah, you can find me under my name. 
Um, there is the ECBRO, the East Coast Bigfoot Researchers Organization Facebook group. Uh, there is the ECBRO like page. Um, or if you want to send me an email, uh, ECBRO98 at gmail.com. Um, you can go check out my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, that's another one. I, I upload my, I do my podcast there. Um, and if you missed the live stream, I upload to my online radio show, um, the ECBRO Bigfoot Radio, uh, which most episodes can be found on any of your favorite pla uh, podcast platforms. Uh, again, that's ECBRO Bigfoot Radio. Uh, but yeah, my YouTube channel is called Bigfoot Zone, ECBRO. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much about it. Um, I mean, you can check out my web personal website. Uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about me and uh, there's my bio on the first page of the website, then you can browse through the website. You'll see other things where I've been featured at. There's some of the, some of the documentaries I've been featured in and starting. Star um, and the newest one is called the beast of Elkhorn Lake, which is based on my encounter, um, which started off on the Paraflix paranormal network. Uh, for those who are not familiar with that, it's like Netflix, but it's a paranormal network, but the uh, if you go to YouTube and go to their, they have a YouTube channel now where you can actually view and watch that uh, video uh, for yourself. It is under Hometown Haunt series, and again, it's titled "The Beast of Elkhorn Lake." It's about an hour long uh, film uh, where the paranormal team, uh, also the producers of the uh, documentary, come out and do a full investigation with me on that. Um, which I thought turned out to be very well. We picked up some audio. And they've actually mm -hmm. had some interesting things happen with their very expensive, fully charged equipment that went dead on them from the start, you know, which was interesting. It, you, uh, my buddy Lyle, by the way, they're part of my committee team for my event I put on every year now. Um, Lyle, as soon as we walked down to the spot where everything took place, right in that general area, he had his camera on all three. There's three of them. All three of them had cameras so they could capture different angles and everything. Well, Lyle, he had everything fully charged before he left the house. When we get there, he's turning on. He says, wait a minute, guys. My camera just went dead. He said, my camera, my battery, nothing is turning on. He said, this was a full battery. He points that out in the video, which I thought was very interesting. Because, I mean, I've never had a battery drain drainage out there whatsoever. So, but... It just so happened to happen to him, <laughs> so, uh, which, I, which I thought was interesting. So, but uh, yeah, you can watch that on YouTube. Um, yeah, for free. So, um, it, you used to you used to have to uh, subscribe to Paraflix, although they have other shows that they're doing because uh, their new show, Hometown Haunts, uh, it's a series. Uh, right now, they're working on season one. I was the I was the very first one they filmed for their first episode. Uh, they. Um, they investigate other people with other paranormal encounters and activities. Uh, they'll, they, uh, they'll end up doing people with UFO and alien encounters, uh, cold cases, files, all that good stuff. So, um, so they're going to keep a good, healthy blend of it all, you know? So good. Yeah. So yeah they, they, out there too, guys, for everybody, if you ever want to go to an awesome conference, go to one that Daniel's putting on. Uh, he puts on great shows. He gets great guests to come out there. Um, and if you ever get a chance to hear Daniel speak, make sure you take it up in that opportunity because uh, he's he's a, a wealth of information out there, guys. He's a boots on the ground, no nonsense investigator, 
And then, like I said, he's one of my go-to guys when it comes to stuff. So if you can track down and hear what he does, check out, definitely do it. Definitely do it. Awesome. Thank you for that. And very thank much you, sir, yeah. for being on the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And Actually, I'll see you again in a few days, Groovy. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and from coast to coast around the world, we'll catch you on the next show. Everybody, good night. Thank we'll you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.